Some say that alongside this see-it-to-believe-it world is the shadowy realm of the supernatural. Sometimes the residents of that dimension touch us, and in one moment, our lives are changed forever. America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, Mary Ann Pohl, is your real ghost chatter host. On this podcast, you'll hear stories by real people who have seen real ghosts. Gordon tells us about an unwelcome encounter with his dead father-in-law, and Lori tells us about a dead logger who looked for his wife and daughter for years after his death until she helped him find peace. Then there's Victoria, who shares her story of a long-dead pig, Edna June, who still watches over her ranch. Did you know a cafe in Anchorage, Alaska is haunted by the ghost of a woman who was blown to bits by a hired hitman? Once in a while, Mary Ann will podcast a tale taken from the genre she loves best, the supernatural. These are just a few of the stories you will hear, and these stories just keep coming. Welcome to today's Real Ghost Chatter episode. Welcome to Real Ghost Chatter. I'm Marianne Paul, America's Lady of Supernatural Thrillers, a charter member of Author Masterminds, and your host of Real Ghost Chatter. If you want to know more about me, please go to www.maryannpoll.com. Today on the show, we are welcoming back Amelia Cotter. If you remember, Amelia is an author, poet, and storyteller with a special interest in the supernatural, history, and folklore. Her books include This House, The True Story of a Girl and a Ghost, Maryland Ghosts, Paranormal Encounters in the Free State, and the children's book Breakfast with Bigfoot. Amelia is also an award-winning poet whose works explore the themes of alienation, isolation, and anxiety, often incorporating supernatural elements. Her poetry and short fictions have appeared in journals like Baron Magazine, Frog Pond, Modern Haiku, The Heron's Nest, Tiny Words, and many others. Amelia has appeared on various radio and television programs, including Travel Channel's Hometown Horror, and in the documentaries Scary Stories and Tinker's Shadow, The Hidden History of Tinker Swiss Cottage. She also appeared as a regular cast member on the show The R.I.P. Files. Amelia lives and writes in Chicago, but is originally from Maryland, where she earned a degree in German and history from Hood College. She regularly presents at conferences and events and is a member of the Society of Midland Authors. Visit her official website at www.ameliacotter.com or write to her anytime at Amelia M. Cotter at gmail.com so amelia welcome back thank you for having me back (laughs) it's good to have you here again and i know you have a few i know you have many stories and we've shared a couple of them and of course i remembered the last one when you talked about the ship that was having that it went down that nobody knew about the eastland that was an extremely interesting time with you oh thank you i'm looking forward to hearing about 
some of your other experiences because that one alone kind of blew me away since I'd never heard of it. Yeah, the Eastland disaster. And there's a lot more really cool um, hidden history bits about Chicago as well that I could also expound on sometime. But I did want to give folks some homework if they were interested in the Eastland disaster story around the corner from the Eastland disaster. Uh, was the site of the Iroquois theater fire, which happened in 1903. And that's literally like just down the street. And that's another thing. So Chicago's famous for the Great Chicago Fire. A lot of people also don't know that the deadliest single building fire and the deadliest theater fire in American history happened right here in Chicago as well. And that was on the night of December 30th, 1903 at the Iroquois Theater, which today is the site of the Oriental Theater, which just got renamed. And I actually don't remember what the new name is. I would have to look it up. Well, I bet you people can look it up. Google is our friend. Google is our friend. <laughs> so, um, wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea about that fire, nor that it was the most deadly. Are they finding, did they have ghosts there too or not? Yes, that's also supposed to be quite a haunted site. And there are multiple instances of people experiencing ghosts inside and outside of the, the theater. Wow. Can you give us like one example? Oh, and my sources, my secret sources are telling me that the name, that the newly named theater is called the Nederlander Theater. So I think they, that the Oriental Theater was a bit of an outdated, possibly politically incorrect name to continue with. So they renamed <laughs> it Nederlander. Nederlander, okay. Yes. All right, so do you have any examples from hauntings at the Nederlander Theater? Sure. 603 people lost their lives that night after after an arc light sparked on a curtain. And many people were not only died from asphyxiation and because of the burns and everything, but the majority of people who died that night uh, were trampled to death and died trying to escape theater because the theater had multiple, multiple issues as far as it, it was, you know, the production not the production, but the building of the theater was rushed and they cut a lot of corners. I mean, this was Chicago at the turn of the 20th century and they built this supremely ornate theater in, a, in the course of six months. So they, they, they cut a lot of corners, including everything having to do with fire safety issues, oh my ironically. Gosh. Right. But many people were able to escape out of a back balcony and ended up falling or being pushed to their deaths and passing away in the alley. And so people uh, will see figures sometimes uh, in photos and in person and what looked like limbs sort of suspended in midair and falling through the air. People have seen the ghost of a woman in a pink tutu and she would have been one of the only performers who perished in the fire. She was a trapeze artist who was on deck for the evening to, to perform and she fell onto the stage during the course of the fire. And I don't believe that she died there on the site. I think she died a little bit later, but uh, her ghost is seen back there as well. And then inside of the theater, there people see and smell uh, phantom, phantom smoke, phantom flames, uh, people sitting up in the balcony. And then they, you know, people who are rehearsing for the modern day plays will call security and then they'll come and discover that there's nobody actually sitting up there. But Anna Gasteyer, who starred in the original production of Wicked, she went on celebrity ghost stories with her tale about what happened to her at the, at the Oriental Theater, which is that she was backstage 
preparing for the next act and she was approached by a woman clutching the hands of two small children and she said they looked odd and out of place and they looked like they had makeup on and were in costumes but they did not at all resemble the ones in the play Wicked. And she was confused, they looked concerned, she asked if they were okay as you know, she was anticipating their response. They turned and walked into a wall and disappeared. Oh my so, gosh. So, yeah, I think, and I think you can probably find that episode on the internet as well. But that's a just, that's a fascinating story. The whole tale that night of, of what happened and how it came to be. And then the tragedy of the fire. It's another thing that a lot of Chicagoans don't know a lot about. And it's a shame. And there's not a lot of markings or commemorations, same as what we talked about with the Eastland, where there just wasn't that much information available on the street and there's no memorial and there's no plaque or anything to say what happened there. That is also true over there at the Oriental, now the Niederlander Theater. And so sometimes, you know, a lot of people believe that spirits just want to be acknowledged and remembered and understood if, you know, a number of people are haunting location after a tragedy that is long forgotten, that would be very, you know, painful. So Right, right. Oh, how wonderful that you shared that, not how wonderful that they had the fire. Right. That 603 people is a lot of people to die in a fire. Yes. I mean, it's yes. one person is a lot. I think about that and think one person affects, one person's death affects so many people. That 603, oh my gosh. 603, many of them were children uh, wow. That's because the play was the play was called Mr. Bluebeard and it was like a vaudeville type of you know variety show uh, but it was considered a family show and so a lot of people who came that night uh, were there with their young kiddos. Oh wow that even makes it more tragic. Yeah. So you have other stories of your own this was a great one but you have other stories you were telling me about a person named Michael who made comments about cartoons. Yeah so after uh, our last chat you know he my friend Michael commented, we went wild in the Facebook comments talking about, he, he was commenting on the story that I had told about the seeing that flash image of the woman, you know, crouching in my kitchen, on my kitchen floor. Right. And he brought up the idea of what you were just saying, the, these like cartoonish uh, figures and cartoonish movements that are sort of like reminiscent of like high strangeness and other, he went into, he was talking a little bit about, I think, UFO inhabitants and all the, these terms that I'm not really familiar with because that's not my area of, of expertise per se, but he got my brain jogging about uh, whether or not I have actually had any sort of like high strangeness kind of experiences of my own. And so I think I promised him I would share a couple, hopefully briefly. <laughs> <laughs> You if, take your if that's time. Possible, yeah. Because <laughs> um, I didn't think that the kitchen kitchen lady, as we'll call her, matched that description. But then I was thinking, oh, I did have some other, you know, weird happenings. One of them was when I first moved to Chicago, and I lived up in the Edgewater neighborhood, along, you know, right along Edgewater Beach, and I was out walking my dog on, you know sunny summer afternoon and there were people out picnicking and hanging out and walking around and I was taking him home along this pathway and there were these two men that were walking towards me and they stuck out like a sore thumb both in you know the setting uh, of a hot summer day with people picnicking and also just the just the neighborhood and Chicago setting in general they were both dressed from head to toe in black uh, with long sleeves, but and it wasn't like a sleek, 
cool like matrixy black kind of getup. It was kind of like old tattered like varying shades of been in the wash a bunch of times kind of black mm-hmm. and they looked very strange but they also looked sharp like there it's hard to describe their appearances were sharp and they were wearing those huge dark black sunglasses like what you would see like in the matrix mm-hmm. and i think they were wearing coats like black coats but then but their clothes were tattered and so it was, i was just very confused as i was walking towards them i was like who are these guys and they stopped in front of me and actually spoke to me, which again, I had just moved to Chicago a few months previously too. So coming from a small suburb to a big city, people don't really just stop and chat you up on the street or anything like that. So it was weird. They seemed to be coming towards me and then they stopped me and were asking me about all the, I don't even remember all the details because I was so swept up in their appearance. You know, how, how do you like Chicago? Oh, you just moved here. Just kind of these weird casual questions. And I was looking at them and they were both bald and they were both pale white and they looked like very similar to each other. And I was looking around at the other people and I was like, I wonder, I was like, what is happening right now? Like, and I was noticing that the people around me didn't seem to notice these guys. And I was just gawking because they stuck out like a sore thumb. (laughs) And so anyway, they asked me some kind of question and I said something that was funny and they both laughed. And when they laughed, they opened their mouths really wide and they both had these dark black mouths with like brown teeth and it looked unnatural to me so of course i know that people with substance abuse issues and things like that will sometimes they're it will affect them dentally as i will put politely but this didn't seem like that this seemed like otherworldly to me and i was like these guys are the most bizarre thing i've ever encountered and uh they laughed and they it was almost like they were laughing at me and it was like this gratuitous laugh to just some offhand remark that i had made about you know moving to chicago i sort of got that didn't sort of i got majorly creeped out went on my way with the dog and I got about another 50 feet down the the pathway that I was walking on and I just kind of glanced back to see if other people had were noticing these weird looking guys walking around and they were gone so wow I still am not sure if they were just like cuz I mean also in the city you get all sorts right so I'm not sure if they were real people and I just happened to have a very weird interaction with them But I remember um, also, and this is something that people have talked about when they've encountered like um, these kind of jaunty, weird, like out of place people or beings that, you know, I was filled with this sense of kind of like dread and the need to get out of there quickly. Mm -hmm. Right. So I, at the risk of sounding totally, you know, nut or butters, I'll leave it at that. But it was really a fascinating experience. <laughs> I'm not laughing at your experience, but I am laughing at your nut or butter comment. <laughs> so I, I don't think you're a nut or butter. I think, I don't know if that we, those were real people because real people can do those kinds of things. Right, or, yeah. But, you know, but I, when I hear what you're saying, it's like, whoever they were, it was really creepy. And, you know, what came to mind to me was, it seems you might be an empath of some kind or a clairvoyant of some kind, because you do see things. So, and what was weird is nobody else noticed these people or else they pretended like they didn't, right? Yeah, I feel like, I mean, again, like Chicago's a place where you see all different kinds of people. So it's not really something may or may not stick out to you and you may or may not care or stare or any of that. 
but these guys in particular were just there they had a very arresting appearance so i was shocked that nobody else at least like glanced or you know gave him any side eye or anything how was your dog um, react he well at the time so when oscar was a kind of this is when he was more of a puppy he was nervous with everybody so he was not having any of these guys at all he was very apprehensive but uh, again like because i had gotten him from a shelter and this was recent to my move to chicago as well i just assumed that it was his general like nervousness around people especially men okay but he uh, did so see them so yeah he definitely saw yeah he saw them he reacted to them yeah i don't generally see myself as somebody who is particularly sensitive or empathic or clairvoyant it's just i very occasionally but probably when i step back and think about it more often than i would like to admit i have these weird comings and goings of experiences that are just very strange i understand that because i literally didn't think i had any experiences and then i started doing real ghost chatter and all the ones experiences I've had, although not zillions, came back, yeah. you know. They all flood back. back. Yeah, they but, did. And it's funny, because last time I talked about, you know, my experience with seeing the ghost of Walter when I was a child, and that's mm -hmm. still, that's, so I have all these cool stories that I like to tell, but that story's still the only one that I will fully admit to being a genuine, like, I knew it in my soul and know it to this day, like, seeing a ghost, seeing a full body apparition, like, that was the, the kind of the holy grail, and everything else has been like, hey, this is totally weird, get a load of this, but it has never hit me in that, it's never been that gut punch again, mm -hmm. of just that knowing. So I have all these interesting stories to share, but I've also, you know, I've become more kind of more and more skeptical as I've gone on too, because I've also heard so many cool stories from other people that I'm just like, wow, you know, like these only scratch the surface of, of what some people experience, you know, and go through. So I'm always hesitant to say like that I've had a lot of these profound experiences because in the moment, especially when something is like truly weird, you always, I think you always doubt yourself. I think even the most like hardcore, like ghost fanatics will still doubt what they oh, yeah. experienced. I completely agree. I, I think if we didn't doubt, there'd be something wrong with us. I really do. Because mm -hmm. sometimes, you know, only you, you can be standing next to one person and you're the only one that experiences it. Right. That alone makes you feel kind of wacky. So. Well, that's, yeah. Unless yeah. you have backup of some kind, like an AVP or whatever. You know, yeah. you, you just feel like you're kind of nutsy. I don't think you were nutsy with the two guys in black. I just think that was, and what, what's weird is they sound like they were almost twins. And yeah, they looked, they did look exactly the same. Once I, one was taller than the other, mm -hmm. but they had, I mean, everything about them not only matched each other, but matched the, that description that people give of seeing these weird, like, like men in black type beings. Mm -hmm. Like they mm -hmm. weren't in suits, but they had that kind of like, off kilter sort of behavior and then like their mouths their gaping mouths reminded me of the movie it it was like that kind of like oh yeah, yeah. staring into the abyss and i was like boy oh boy you know yeah get me out of here now. i i gotta get out of here and it was you know broad daylight in the afternoon two or three p.m something like that with you know everybody out with their families having a good time and it was just so bizarre that is bizarre so you talked about going to Galena. Now tell people where Galena is. Yeah, so Galena is in 
Western Illinois, Northwestern Illinois. It's a beautiful little Civil War town. It, I think, you know, at one time it was in the running to be a major city and I, it was, I think it was a bigger city at, during like the 1850s than Chicago was at the time and then Chicago ended up peeling out ahead, but Galena could have been the big city in, in Illinois. Anyway, it's it reminds me of some of the small historic towns that I grew up around in Maryland and it's just charming, it's quaint, it's got great shopping, like great wine and vineyards and all sorts of fun stuff and of course great ghost tours and haunted places. Mm -hmm. So we like to go there as a getaway every once in a while and we had not been there in at least a year and obviously COVID-19 put everybody's plans to a screeching halt but we decided that we were felt safe enough to go go for one overnight and we stayed at the DeSoto House Hotel. So my friend came over and watched Oscar, our dogs, so that we could go not stay at like the Motel 6, and, you know? Right. Because um, <laughs> usually he travels with us and he's a good travel buddy, but we wanted to just kind of get the whole like romantic getaway thing. Mm -hmm. uh, going on. So we stayed at the DeSoto House Hotel and we did like a wine tour and we did a ghost tour with Haunted Galena Ghost Tours and it was amazing and we had such a good time and we were snooping around town after that. Uh, everything was like shut down. They rolled up the sidewalks at like 9 30 or 10 and we were snooping around after the ghost tour going back to all you know some of the places that we had visited and I felt kind of like a teenager again because normally like I'm not really like a ghost hunter and neither is my husband. So we, but we were like, I don't lurking, lurking in the shadows, basically, which is something that you can't do around town here in Chicago. So it was fun to kind of feel like a kid again. Mm. And so that night we stayed in the hotel and DeSoto, the DeSoto House Hotel is supposed to be the, it's the oldest continuously operating hotel in Illinois. And it's the, supposed to be the most haunted as well. And the uh, basement area is haunted by uh, a woman in black who's seen in mourning clothes, M-O-U-R-N. And there are some other, <laughs> some other spirits seen throughout the hotel. We stayed in the top corner room in the Stephen Douglas room. I don't think that he ever stayed there. I think it's just named after, every room is named after a significant Illinois figure. Mm -hmm. I didn't have any creepy vibes whatsoever from the room. In fact, even though we had the willies after we got back from our ghost tour and all of our snooping around, I kind of passed out. <laughs> <laughs> and I woke up around 5 a.m., got up to go to the bathroom and came back and was toying around in my purse to grab some ibuprofen. I heard from my husband's corner of the bed, that corner of the room, I heard him, presumably him, say in this really like weird sing-song voice, hello, kind of like that. Okay, creepy. I, yeah, and I thought he was goofing around with me. And I just, and I said back in a, in a goofy voice, I said, hello, you know? And then I, I grabbed my, my little meds there and I hopped back in bed. And when I turned to him, because I thought he was awake, since he had said hello, I noticed that he was lying on his stomach with kind of his face down in the pillow, and he was passed out too. He's not somebody who, who transitions very smoothly from awake to asleep and back again. <laughs> so I realized, I was like, he's not awake at all. And he was not awake, and that was not his voice. I just kind of laid there, because again, I was, dumbfounded it was so weird and I felt like you don't say like we're staying at the haunted hotel and a haunted thing actually happened like I have a story I heard a voice how cool is that <laughs> and I wasn't scared I just figured somebody was just 
literally just wanting to say hello and not, not be spooky or anything. So when he, when we woke up, I asked him just to be sure, you know, did you wake up like an hour or two ago and say hello in like a silly cartoon voice? And he said, no, absolutely not. I have no recollection of doing that. And when we came home that night, what night was that? That was Thursday night. Mm -hmm. Thursday and Friday night consecutively in our apartment back in Chicago, and we live in a very non-haunted high-rise. We heard shuffling sounds throughout the night that sounded exactly like Oscar, except that Oscar was sleeping in the bed with us. But we have hardwood floors, and so if he gets up in the middle of the night to have a drink or walk around, you can hear his little, his little nails clicking you know on the yes. floor he makes certain sounds and certain sounds when he's like eating he'll get up and eat some of his food in the middle of the night and we heard all these sounds plain as day and sat up and sure enough oscar's in the bed with us it happened on these two consecutive nights we burned some some sage and was like we were like thank you for for visiting with us but if you are from galena you must return now because you're creeping us out and uh, <laughs> you don't belong here but thanks for coming by and i think we were both kind of wondering if this was this the same spirit or being or whatever because it seemed to be like mimicking things that were familiar to us mm -hmm. but it didn't feel threatening or scary i guess it was just in the moment in the hotel, I was sort of like, I was blown away. I was like, wow, like cool. But then when we were listening to these shuffling noises, I was kind of disturbed. I was like, okay, no, no, no. I don't know what, what you're here for, why you're doing this, but you've, you've got to go back to Galena now. Yeah, leave me alone. And we, <laughs> we bought an antique plate while we were there, like a little antique plate with pumpkins on it, which is mm -hmm. really gorgeous for, for fall. And so I was like, okay, either we bought a haunted plate or it's something that came from the hotel, but either way, it's gotta go. So it did, that we, nothing has happened since we politely thanked it for its visit and asked it to leave. I'm still thinking about it because it was a little incredible, just the way that these noises mimicked exactly. The, the voice in the hotel was like a cartoon voice, but sometimes Jonathan and I talked to each other in like silly voices and stuff. So I really did in that moment think that it was him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's pretty freaky, Amelia. Pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah. I I wouldn't want something coming home with me that way. And I think it did come home with you. Yeah. That's just and like, oh, yuck. Are you kidding? <laughs> yuck. I'm not a particularly social person with others in real life, regular life. So I'm just like, I don't know why these things grapple onto me. Cause I'm like the quiet one in the back, kind of. But now, you know, last time I talked to you, I... We, we told another story about something kind of following me home and then it happened again. So yes, I was kind of flattered, I guess. I mean, I that's <laughs> weird, but I was like, oh, something like this enough to come come all the way home with us. But Gee, I'm glad you felt flattered. I would have felt a little bit on the cranky side. So I it mean, was, it, like... the sounds were disturbing. In fact, Jonathan woke me up in the middle of the night, which never happens. And he was like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? <laughs> and we were like listening to this, these sounds of what sounded just plain as day, like Oscar walking around the apartment, uh, having a drink of water and all this stuff while he was right in front of our eyes, not moving. Oh, that is really, really freaky. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I just, and it would really annoy me. I wonder why, I wonder what kind of spirit it is that likes to mimic. Right? That's interesting. And, I'm going to have to well, look that up and see if there's actually a name for it. I think, no. and usually we associate that like mimicking behavior with something that doesn't have positive intentions 
or something like along the lines of what Michael was talking about with something non a non-human entity mimicking human behavior. I didn't get any impression that it was something negative. I got the impression that it wanted to feel familiar to us because it didn't want to scare us. I hope that's true. And I, um, yeah, I hope that's true too. Otherwise, <laughs> like I've been duped, you know? Yeah, right. Well, but at least we sent it away. That's stay tuned really cool. if, you know, stay tuned. If in three months, you know, one of us is possessed, I'll let you know, but. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> just don't pass it on. That's all I can no, say. Right. Just don't give it to others. <laughs> don't give it to anyone else. That's right. Yeah. COVID's, COVID's bad enough, but being possessed, right. man, that's a killer. <laughs> that's a killer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I really appreciate these. These are great stories. You always, the last time you had really good stories also. Thank do you. you. Have, do you have anything else you'd like to share before we shut down for today? I think that covers what I had hoped to share with you and everybody listening. Okay. I'm going to ask, and I think it could be implied, but I'm going to ask you, what advice would you give a person who's having a supernatural experience that doesn't have as much background as you do? Well, somebody reached out to me recently with just that issue. So he, a friend of mine was having trouble sleeping and every night he was experiencing something along the lines of like a sleep sleep paralysis but then he was saying that it extended beyond that into a feeling also that somebody was on the bed with him and he wasn't sure what was going on because it was very frightening but he didn't know who they could possibly be nine times out of ten it's not something bad it's not something evil it just is it could be something that haunts your home already it could be somebody who's watching over you could be something passing through and then in that very minuscule there's that very minuscule chance that it could be something else but i always tell people to assert their boundaries mm -hmm. and that you can do that either out loud if you feel if you feel comfortable you know sounding nutter butters as i said earlier <laughs> Um, if you feel comfortable making that assertion out loud or if it's something that you just do meditatively on the inside, if you have a meditation, a mantra, something that it's religious or spiritual or meaningful to you in whatever way that helps you feel protected, if you can visualize something, uh, you know, a wall of light around you or something cheesy or something more practical that helps you feel like you're protected and you're, you're letting everything around you know that it is either a not not welcome or not welcome to frighten you if you know sometimes they just need to know that they're scaring you a little bit too and then they back off because i think some of that some of the information that we interpret as frightening is our natural sort of like evolutionary response to the unknown and not necessarily something attacking us right so in any case asserting your boundaries deciding if you know, the entity is something that you can or cannot live with. If it's just a typical kind of haunting, then there's really nothing that you should do other than maintain those boundaries. In his case, he decided that he did not want these visitations. And so he made the assertions out loud and he did the visualizations as well, sort of on the inside of being protected and sending this thing on its way in a positive and loving fashion and then it left him so that's literally the first time anybody's ever told me like oh hey it actually left but in Good most know, cases huh? there's nothing to fear if your home is haunted and then you know i would take it i would take it from there if people have other kinds of things to report well yeah then they may need to contact somebody who can really help them i would assume yeah and i'm i feel like 
TV shows and movies give us the impression that all these stories can tie up very neatly with a bow. You know, that you're going to find out all the backstory of who exactly it is that's haunting your house and be able to help them move on. Or that, you know, you're being attacked by some type of evil force and God and the devil are fighting it out in your apartment at 2 a.m. with, you know, when the dishes are clanking together and you hear footsteps in the attic and all this stuff. And a lot of times it's like much less exotic and exciting <laughs> than than that and so kind of taking looking at it from like that reasonable perspective and how will I handle this you know rationally is is a good place to start I agree with that yeah it also is debunking it's not a bad plan so I mean you can maybe be able to think you're hearing something when in doubt it really is something to do with pipes that has been found out too yeah and mold you and know mold. oh my gosh. how many times has mold and EMFs the and EMF yeah they have been, caused people hallucinations yeah and yeah. then people grab their EMF detectors and they read these high EMFs and they're like well heck look at all this paranormal activity and it's like no high emfs are what's making you crazy yeah right go so, check your electrics <laughs> yeah yeah the, the emf link. detector is is helping debunk not prove that your that your house is haunted yes so yeah for well, sure i really i really appreciate it i think that can help people and i guess i'm going to wind us up by saying this does conclude today's podcast and I am really thankful that you were willing to come on again because I know how busy you are too. And so thank you for taking time to share with me and my audience. Yeah, thank you for having me back. And I would like to ask you to share again, because I did it at the beginning, but it's always nice for you to share where people can find you at your official website and your email. Yeah, absolutely. So my website is ameliacotter.com and my email address is ameliamcotter at gmail.com and people can get a hold of me anytime and I'm on Facebook and Twitter and a couple of other places as well and I do enjoy hearing from people definitely oh and my books are available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and other places like that for sure let's connect thank you so much Amelia thank you if you enjoyed this podcast I encourage you to share it with others you think would also be interested. If you'd like to know more about me, go to maryannpoll.com and or authormasterminds.com forward slash mary-ann-poll. Until next time, may the wind always be at your back, the sun on your face, and the good Lord walk beside you.